This is Urban Tiger Radio, a project supported by CybermouseMultimedia.com, sponsors of our free weekly podcasts. Search for Urban Tiger Radio in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher.com and hit the subscribe button to receive free automatic downloads. Please remember to share and rate our show before you leave. It's my privilege to sit here this afternoon with Roy Blackman, a man I've known and loved for many, many years, more than I care to remember or more than I ought to remember. I've loved and admired Roy's work for probably going on for 30 years now. Roy is a remarkable man and and Roy has a fascinating history and I hope he has a fascinating future still. So I'd just like to say hello to Roy. Hello, Bill. Um, I hope I have a future too. I'm only 82 and I'm... (laughs) Fond of life. And you're fond of life. Well, you've always been fond of life, Roy. And, and in fact, you, you introduced me to all sorts of parts of life that otherwise would have escaped me. Uh, I have you to thank for the Harlequin, because it was you that took me down to the Harlequin for the first time, to to a, a song contest. Do you remember that? Yes, that, I do. And yeah. you came singing in the end. Yeah, I did. That's true. With, with a poem. With a poem called <laughs> yeah. Annie. Yeah. And we were sat with Scottish Jackie, do you remember? Yeah, I do. She was, uh, Scottish Jackie was uh, theatre manager, stage manager of the Lyceum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And her friend, uh, we did stay in touch with for quite some time, and I can't remember her name now, but it's gone like many other things, right? Yeah. The mists of time are descending on both Um, of us. Well, on me, not you. Now, uh, where were you born, Roy? I was born in Sheffield at Jessup's Hospital. Right. I wanted to be near my mother. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Another Jessup's lad. Yeah, so what year was that? 1935. The year Sheffield Wednesday won the Cup, they haven't won it since. No, they don't look likely to uh, either, No, do they? they do not. <laughs> well, are United are getting better, though, at the, the moment? The, so. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how old were you when you moved to uh, Rotherham? We uh, in, almost. In, I was only born in the hospital. We moved. My father had been involved in the nineteen twenty six strike, and he, uh, as a punishment, he was moved into South Yorkshire, where uh, because they told him that all the other troublemakers are in Yorkshire, and we were very proud of that. Yeah, well, you continue to be. Roy's, uh, Roy, if you listen to my other podcast, you'll find quite a bit of Roy Blackman on there. Uh, Roy is a poet, songwriter and performer extraordinaire. And South Yorkshire is, is redolent in all of Roy's work, just about. And so, OK, so you... Where did you move to? Did you move? You were in Rotherham. Yes, yeah. yes, we're in. Uh, we lived at nineteen Hatherley Road until I was in my twenties, uh, and then when I got married, I moved to Parkgate and then to Kimberworth. And um, after that, uh, I got I got married again and uh, moved to Maltby. Where did you find your first wife? I found my first wife at the. Warm Cliff, Dan, Clifton Dance Hall. Right. What did she fall for? Your words or your devastating good looks? Uh, neither. She, um, I think she, I think she fell for the fact that. Uh, um, Don't tell me she felt sorry for you. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think it was that as well. Her daughter Beverly comes to see her and gets on very well with Maureen. Right. Okay. 
started, didn't she? Yeah. You hadn't got your stray dog expression on that night then. Somebody, no. somebody took you in. Yeah. Right, okay. So where did you live when you first got married? We lived at Parkgate when I first got married. Right. And then moved to uh, I moved to West Hill, Kimber. Yeah, by the Iron and Steelworks in That's Parkgate. That's right. Yeah. Oh God, did you keep your curtains clean there? Yeah, well, my father, me, me father lived, moved to Midland Road. He had a shop in Midland Road, Rotherham. And uh, he, um, it was amidst all the, all the, all the steelworks where young children stood in awe and watched her men hurl steel in the, uh, in the Midland Forge. I've done it, that myself, Roy. Oh, yes. Yeah, down by uh, Steel Pigeon Tozers, where yeah, they bring all the ingots out. That's I've right. I've been in there when they're, when they're drawing wire. That's frightening. It the is. Yeah, it is, absolutely frightening. Those blokes are so skilled, it's untrue. And, uh, of course, also, you probably saw the back tongsman. Yes. In the, uh, that, was, that was quite frightening to watch. You see this bars of steel. Small bars of steel come hurtling down the conveyor belt, and at the end of the conveyor belt was a man with a pair of tongs, and he would snap the tongs together and catch it, and then put it in the other uh, conveyor belt yeah, to go through the rollers. Yeah, yeah. Now your your schooling, Roy. You were schooled in Rotherham. I was schooled. What happened was I was always ill, so consequently, I never stood a chance of going to grammar school. But the uh, I benefited from that because uh, I I could catch up, and I did catch up. Uh, by the time I was uh, by the time I was thirteen, I I would I'd read. Les Miserables, and by the time I was 14, I'd read practically everything that Shakespeare had, certainly read all his plays, yeah. and a few of his, most of his sonnets as well. So I knew what a sonnet was, and uh, I also, uh, at, at the age of 13 and 14, but as a lad, it might have been frowned out if it was too well known. So I continued with the football, with playing football. I wasn't very good, but I enjoyed playing football. And I broke my fingers as a goalkeeper. I did stop the ball sometimes. And, I broke <laughs> and you got broken fingers to prove it. Yeah. So, so from school, I mean, I've always known you as a remarkably intelligent Man, I, I mean, when you caught up at school, that must have been quite easy for you to do, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your memory is phenomenal, isn't yeah. it? Well, the, the memory, of course. Um, later, I'd always listened to Leslie Welsh, the memory man, on the wireless, possibly a bit before your time. And Les Leslie yeah. Welsh uh, would know who won... The Derby in uh, in 1910, he would know who won the FA Cup. And I remember picking up at the age of 10 when he made a mistake. And he, he, he said Buddy had beaten Sheffield United. And they hadn't. They'd, in the 19... In the... Uh, uh, 1903 Cup final, but it beat Derby County 6-0, which is still the record score in a Cup final. So you beat Leslie Welsh at his own game? Uh, uh, when uh, I was 10. Yeah, yeah, when you were 10? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're incredible. So 
when you left school, what was what was your career trajectory then? No, again, I was always ill. And uh, so consequently, I didn't do very well. I, you know, I sort of moved from job to job. But in the end, I went, in, I went to work at Robert Jenkins and then I was an industrial painter. And I stopped there. Um, I went there when I was 20 and uh, I was about 34, 35 when I moved out. And... Um, I was a shop steward and I was involved in industrial relations and uh, I like to think I was quite good at it. Right. Was that in, in the steelworks then? Yeah, in an engineering works. In an engineering yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. What What was the nature of your illness, if you don't mind me asking? The one that was, kept you out of school and work. Yeah, I was, I was, I was always <laughs> I was always made up with uh, I was always made up with colds. I was, uh, but I also uh, I mean I started at school. I think I went through the the whole gamut of mumps, measles, chicken pox, and diphtheria. Right. And uh, I was weak, but in recent years they found out that I'd got a, a rare muscular disease, and uh, that's why I'm always falling asleep. And uh, the consequence of the muscular disease is that uh, I could never remember where I put things. So consequently, what happened was I develop my long-term memory just to prove to the, uh, you know, I yeah, didn't realise yeah. I was doing it yeah. time, but the subconscious thing is they explained it to me. You develop your long-term memory to prove that you were, that you were, uh, that you were compass mentis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always remember you as the bloke remembers everything except which bus he came on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, we've had some great fun at poetry readings uh, over the years haven't we uh, we've had some absolutely entertaining nights and I mean I know you captivate any and every audience that, that I've been privy to when you've been there and so I would actually like to start now and play one of your uh, poems and this is a poem called Scrooge you Scrooge. Tell me something about it. Well, Scrooge, um, it's it's a sarcastic poem. It's uh, um, because I feel that in today's world there are a lot of people like Scrooge, and let you know, let's not give uh, let's not give the sick people the uh, the benefits that they're due to, and all the rest of it. The uh, and. Um, Scrooge, Scrooge would have loved the current political climate. Right, okay. So this is this is Scrooge. Uh, I would just like to add before I start that there are three other poems that are going to occur during this podcast. And most of them actually have quite a sort of serious nature. Yeah. Uh, which are actually are my favourites of yours. I mean, I like your comic songs. and everything. I mean, I like your whole repertoire, but I'm, I'm hoping I don't get too downbeat with these others, but I don't think they're downbeat poems. But let's start with Scrooge. Roy Blackman and Scrooge. Scrooge, a marvellous man who seems to have been reborn. Charles Dickens was never my favourite. Be assured my resentment is huge. 
My favourite hero was turned into a zero. You'd not find a good word about Scrooge. Now, Scrooge was a wonderful person, and that's an established fact. He'd have kept all our workhouses open. We'd have low prices, low wages, no tax. It was all the fault of the riffraff. With no proper lifestyle to choose. Pastimes of distaste. Spending money on women and waste. Watching United and Wednesday both lose. But some saw a chance of great profit. Out of so much pleasure and fun. There was garbage and grime wrote in Guardian and Times and the subtle ones wrote in the sun. They got Dickens to write rubbish in papers about spending more on Christmas Day and all this financial advising brought in more advertising and the papers got richer that way. It was all for the good of the people, he said, to borrow money for things they would choose, and Dickens ramps and he rages at the miserly wages, and he pointed the finger at Scrooge. But Scrooge paid Bob Cratchit full five shillings, and I wouldn't have paid him that much. To feed a house full of weaklings and cripples and a kick tiny Tim in the crutch. But King George added to problems by racing the produce of farms. It produced turkeys and goose that no one could sell. Killing them off would do no one no harm. Let's forget the meaning of Christmas. Let Watneys sell you some fun. Such garbage and grime was wrote in Guardian and Times and the subtle ones wrote in the sun. So they made our poor Scrooge an example of how one should not live. And this poor chappy was referred to as happy from the moment he started to give. So... Everyone started borrowing money to save money on boozers and goose. Everyone gave thanks to our friends in the banks. No one thought a good word about Scrooge. So he gave the Cratchits a goose for the Christmas that he'd not even shot with a gun. And the garbage and grime still wrote in Guardian and Times, and the subtle ones still wrote in the stone. Charles Dickens became a champion of the people, and our future economy set, and our leaders and rakers are all now risk takers, and the rest are all plunged into death. Spend, spend, spend our new maxim. No one thought of the harm that was done. And the villainous Dickens just was murdering chickens when he got a good job in the sun. 
Right, thank you for Scrooge, Roy. And as you said, he's probably alive and well in the halls of Westminster today. And what I want to ask you now is, when did you begin to write? Oh, um, ninety. Uh, about nineteen ninety. About nineteen. As recent as that. Uh, well, I started writing poems in, uh, uh, started writing short stories about 1984, and the uh, very first one I wrote was broadcast on Radio Sheffield, The Ultimate Gem. And I thought it was easy writing short stories. I was to find out that it wasn't as easy as I thought it was, and I never got another one, uh, another one broadcast or published, although uh, um, I did have a booklet published by the Arts Council uh, in 1990, and that's when it sort of lifted off. Okay, well, we'll come back to that one. Uh, one of the things that I want to ask you is, I, I do recall that you put this phenomenal memory of yours to good use back in the 60s, was it? Yeah, it was 70s. 70s. Yeah, I, I, I've practised all through my school days. So we're talking 40s, 50s and 60s. I knew, I didn't just know the players and the teams of every cup final from 1872. I could uh, remember how many bulbs were in the floodlights. <laughs> I mentioned it on, on television. Yeah, because yeah. uh, well, once you'd gone through that, you know, the first uh, one of the questions was, um, uh, we've got a one goal cup final. Uh, that, that we've got three of them and uh, we want you to tell the team that won and um, his first one was 1922 and I said yes it was Huddersfield v Preston the team was much Wood Wadsworth, Slade, Wilson, Watson Richardson, Mann, Islip, Stevenson and W.H. Smith who scored the first ever goal to be scored from a corner kick in a league match right. uh, yeah so, so just just let's recap a little before we get to the questions that you were asked. Um, you you appeared on television, didn't you? Yeah. Brought, can you tell me how you actually got into that? Well, it's wrote up about me because as a lad, locally, as a lad, I, uh, you're going in Fenham Park playing football, and half the night people have got one for you. You know, the, uh, some of them were, were trick questions, as they say, like, who was the first uh, Yorkshire captain to go to Australia? And uh, I said, well, it must have been Edison. He said, no, 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 it was Captain Cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. So, so one of your workmates wrote up to uh, Sky's the Limit was it, with right. Huey Green. Yes. And uh, and what happened then? What? How did you hear it? Uh, I got uh, I got a letter telling me to go for an audition, and um, it uh, and I went and the blow I left the blow scratch. Oh, was David Green? I don't know if it was related to you, Green or not, but he was he he, he became they made him a director of the program and the strength of it. Yeah, right. 
And and so you passed the audition. Oh, very much so. Yeah. And as I said, they brought uh, they brought me uh, onto the program, and uh, uh, I went all over the country after that, giving auditions. These things, however, only last for a few years. Yeah. So there came a time when I wasn't getting any work. Uh, that would be about five, six years after, and I went uh, I went into the steelworks, and the only job I could get was uh, cleaning the floor, but I did it. You yeah, know, I, I always said I'd rather sweep the streets than than lounge on the door right. and that was and i think people re, in the steelworks respected me for that then nobody mocked me because yeah. because i was i'd finished up on a very low paid job they respected the fact that i uh, would work yeah however um however humble a job rather than uh, Rather than uh, scrounge. Right. Okay. You know uh, how many weeks were you on Skies of the Mid? All together, uh, it was six weeks of the program, and they brought me back to three groups of thirteen programs. Right. And now I, I was asked very. I remember the first question I was asked was uh, which football team pl had played with the Union Jack on their shirts. And the answer was, of course, Chesterfield. And uh, that, that, that... You say, of course. I mean, uh, that's, a, that's an answer I've never heard or even a question. But... Yeah, but uh, people who live locally would have would have uh, heard of it. Certainly people... I would even imagine that everybody in Chesterfield would have heard of that. Yeah, but, well, yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah. so. But who's heard of Chesterfield? Yeah, that's another thing. But <laughs> it's not in South Yorkshire, right? It's not in God's own county, is it? Uh, so it's, it's not it, in it's God's own county. It's over the border. At uh, that time, the tea that was in God's own county was, of course, Leeds United. And uh, they were... Uh, they had their period of excellence under Don Revy. I met Don Revy and uh, had a lot of time for him. Because, yeah, because the press was always on his back, and I, I always had a disrespect for the press anyway. <clears throat> so, well, yeah. Uh, in fact, if if you haven't got a disrespect for the press at the moment, there's something wrong with you because <laughs> we we well, I think we're in the middle of a of a of a witch hunt at the moment. Uh, yeah. by the media. I mean, whether it's sexual, political, or financial, all they seem to do is just witch hunt everybody. So, yeah. Uh, uh, which means we can't get any decent politicians, we can't get any decent finance, you know. Exactly. Who wants to be a politician? Yeah, and how do you start a relationship if you can't talk to anybody That's these right. days? It's ridiculous. And it's all because we've got 24-hour rolling news, yeah. none of which is news anymore. Um, well, I, I was, the thing about the news was uh, I noticed that uh, Rupert Murdoch is, uh, is um, being... Uh, sought by Disney, and, uh, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, We've exactly. had Mickey I mean, Mouse yeah, shoes. It's a, it's a Mickey Mouse operation, is it? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Um, while we're talking, but mentioned Yorkshire. Uh, there's a there's a poem of yours that I absolutely love. Being an old motorcyclist, that um, and that's me. That's old, not the bike. Oh, the bike. No, the bike's not quite as old as me, but nearly. Um, and that's the uh, 
New Yorkshire town quite saw the light. Yeah, and mm. it, and it's called a brief moment of triumph. Yeah, I used to have a triumph. I had a three fifty triumph twin. Yeah, sterling bike. It lasted a day and a half before somebody knocked me off it. Uh, <laughs> it's true. I it head on on Waterloo Lane, just going home peacefully. Somebody slid around the corner, blind drunk, bump, gone. Anyway, that was the end of my triumph. It was a very brief moment of triumph, but now you're going to bring me your brief moment of triumph, which is also a sort of tour de force around Yorkshire. Yes, as well As well as all the old British marks. So, and the place names. Yeah. Okay, so thank you, Roy. Here is... A brief moment of triumph. Some clever folks make motorbikes out of bits of bikes. Triumph, matchless, rudge, and of course, the pampers from Cleckheaton. Brief hour of triumph. No Yorkshire town quite saw the like of the bike of Percy Pike of Edmund Wyke. In two matchless wheels from the chapping leads he met. He swiped tyres off a 1930s velo set. In a brand new Excelsior handlebar and mirror off a bubble car squashed flat by a steamroller in Ludenden foot. He fished an old rudge chain from Rochdale Cut. He led the cream of Kirtley's society with his J.A.P. of Heinz variety. This weird contraption had another fight. It ran on licorice juice from Pontefract. But life is hard and life is cruel. Bassett's all sorts bought out all his fuel. No Yorkshire town quite saw the like of the bike of Percy Pike of Aikmandwike. In a biker's cap he met Hilda Heald, a big girl's blouse from Huddersfield. She said, get off your great big lump of blood. I've seen better bikes in Steptoe's yard. What do you mean it's quite a goer? There were quicker transport used by Noah. I'm 49th you've tried to pull. Get a life and go to all. Or go to ghoul and don't pass go. Or what for gap? Commit kamikaze on your jap. Twould make every silly soul in Slowit smile at sixty hours to the mile. And Pillion's not big enough to hold a nat. I'd have a BSA if I rode on that. No Yorkshire town quite saw the like of the bike of Percy Pike of Aikmandwike. He said, I'll go to Wales or Abersock. Or Thlampire Pugwing go 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 He flew like Batley out of hell And took a corner and took it well But at Ellen this sight that filled with dread The traffic lights that we were red The Norton Bricks did as they were bidden The bike stopped dead but Percy didn't, he flew straight through air with a mighty scream, he did aerial twist like Torvald and Dean, he come down white and he come down bolder, with a mighty splash in the river colder, he broke every spoke in his bike but he still wasn't beaten, 
because he got some pampers from Clayton, no Yorkshire town, quite saw the like of the bike of Percy Pike of Eckmundwike. Right, Roy, thank you very much for a brief moment of triumph, however brief that was. I think I, I, think I once bought that bike off someone and, uh, <laughs> and spent an arm and a leg trying, <laughs> trying to keep it going. Uh, in fact, I might still have got it. But anyway, just to get back to your writing, right? you said you began to write in, your first short story was 1984, and you began to write in earnest in the 1990s. Now, I happen to have heard that at some point you got a bursary to a very famous university. No, not a university. Ruskin College, Oxford. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, 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 I All did. Right. And I, I just got a, I got a year there. And uh, yes. I've it, seen them on University Challenge, Roy. So it, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. They, in fact, they, we had quite a I good... I think they lost. No, we, <laughs> they lost. But um, <coughs> the, the, we weren't auditioned for it in the year I was there. But we did enter quite a few quizzes. And uh, yes, we did a good team. Yeah. 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 Uh, Again. So, so tell me, how did you get the bursary? Did you apply for it yourself or did someone recognise your writing? Well, again, because I got a trade union past, uh, Ruskin College is uh, very strong, uh, strongly supportive of the trade unions. In fact, what they had in there was in the library was a letter that, that started, I'm not changing the subject, so a letter yeah. from uh, McGregor sent to every miner saying that uh, the uh, rumours that were spread by their leaders were all lies and that they were only going to shoot four pits and then underneath that letter were all the badges of all the pits that had been shut up to that date and uh, that sparked off um, a musical I wrote about the miners uh, I'd already written a song called Fare Thee Well South Yorkshire, which yeah. you've heard of many times. But I, I, I wrote a musical about the miners' strike and it, uh, at, Rusk, at Ruskin College, Oxford. And uh, finish, it finished up touring the, uh, the pits uh, of South Yorkshire. Right, is this recorded somewhere, the whole of the musical, do you think? No, no. This is a great no. shame, isn't it? No. I know the songs are. Yeah. Um, there's the Crazy Northern Clown one. That crazy Northern Clown, yeah. definitely one of yeah. them. Yeah. And Perthy um, uh, Well South Yorkshire. Yeah. Uh, Cornet oh, player, Sally Army Band, is that what? No, no, no. The, the, the Sally Army Band came from my... Uh, First early married life at Parkgate uh, in the steelworks, and there you had all this soot and muck, and you got this marvellous sound of music. And I always remember a ginger-haired cornet player that they got. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like most of the things I've uh, written about, I've been. Uh, Waited, waiting, waiting for somebody to write about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, okay. So anyway, I'll have to look for that, Roy, and uh, and see if there's any way we can pull that 
together. Yeah. There, there must you must have got the script, or unless it yeah. was one of the things that got lost when you yeah. did it. Oh, I love it. Might have done, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, isn't it? Um, right. Okay. So, at you wrote this at Ruskin College. I wrote that mainly at Ruskin College. Yeah, and. Um, one night at the Harlequin, and do you remember Andy Holt? Yeah, I do remember Andy Holt with a beret. Yeah, well, yeah. he he came up to me and said, uh, we're wanting to do this uh, in the Red Choir. We're wanting to do the uh, the, uh, the songs and the minor strike. So if you could finish, if you could write in the dialogue, it would be absolutely brilliant. And you got bits of things in that were uh, like the letter that McGregor wrote to the uh, miners, uh, assuring them that it was all falsehood, yeah. that they were going to shoot all the people. Well, you know why McGregor was there? Because if you can't tell a lie yourself, you buy someone in to do it That's for right. You. Exactly. Mm. I mean, you know, it was, it, was, it was a terrible time of life, wasn't it? Um, do you think that it furthered your writing at all at Ruskin College? Do you think it gave you a, a confidence and an acceptance? It that gave me confidence and acceptance, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Did it make um, you feel more comfortable about what you were doing? More oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. The, I had to smile, though, because the first night I went to, uh, went to the, the, um, the Cat Weasel Club, which is Oxford's equivalent of the Footlights Club at Cambridge, and uh, I did very well South Yorkshire, and I did one of the comic songs, and uh, I I was amazed at the reception I got down south for what was a northern work. Yeah, and uh, they had to, and there was somebody saying. Well, they're all like him up north. Well, they're not, are they? No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not all like me and Leroy. Um, now, one of the people I remember you being with most is uh, is Doreen. That's uh, right. Doreen, Doreen is on your yeah at the end of your CD lovely with the lady. Venus flytrap. Yeah, uh, lovely lady. We once saw the wind picker up on. Uh, uh, she was so frail, wasn't she? The wind picked her up on Brew Mill. Oh, I you know and, I, and blew not... her down the street. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, yeah, she was a lovely, uh, a lovely lady, and and as we spoke about before we started doing this, she used to come with me to the to po the point at Doncaster. She was very funny. Yeah, hilarious, but deadpan. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you didn't expect it, did you? It was just I was like, just you know, saying much yeah. the same to it just, uh, just sort of came out of nowhere, and you got this knife between your ribs in a way, but it was in a way that made you laugh. Yeah, uh, and and it was good. Uh, I mean, the thing I remember about as much as anything was we always used to go to Doncaster in my car, and and no one else was allowed in that front passenger <laughs> yeah, seat apart from Dory, and that was it. That was, uh, yeah, she was she was great, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed her company, the, um, and I know you did, and I know you were absolutely. The thing that really made me cry time. was at her funeral, uh, a sister came, and uh, uh, with a with her family and they said to me if it hadn't been for you she'd have died several years before and i, I agree thought, with that entirely uh, and, yeah. and it was a wonderful thing yeah. to say well it was it worked both ways Roy, because we we were we, we saw you quite often and yeah. and we realized that you were keeping doreen motivated 
Yeah. Right? And she was sort of keeping you on the straight and narrow. That's right. And batting off all the other women that throw themselves. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was a very much a two-way relationship. That it one, was. And, and it, it worked tremendously well. Right. And, and I hope you have the same with Maureen. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, I mean, I can see in Maureen's face what she feels about you. Uh, and But you're, you're just as readable as ever. So later on in your life with your writing... Uh, I get the feeling that you maybe become a little bit committed to world events, things like climate change or whatever. Absolutely. I know you get out and about quite a lot. Yeah. And you have a poem coming up called On Woodhead Road. So would you like to tell me something about On Woodhead Road? Woodhead Road is uh, written in the face of the opposition to the theories of climate change. It's... Um, I, be I believe that the main political aim of us is to make sure we've got a planet within the next hundred years or so. And um, that's why I, I wrote this poem on Woodhead Road. Would you like to tell us where Woodhead Road is? Because a lot of our listeners, Roy, uh, quite, quite unusually, uh, and I can't quite get my head around this one, uh, are in California. And oh. So unless they, they Google, uh, put it in Google Earth, Woodhead Road, um, Sheffield, it, they're not going to find it. So what road is Woodhead Road? Woodhead Road is Ecclesfield area that runs towards Manchester. It's the main route, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Unfortunately, it gets lots of trucks and lorries on there. It does. That's another... Uh, yeah. This is ridiculous. Yes, it it's is. It's a ridiculous road to send lorries on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, there is currently uh, um, a, lot, uh, a lot of belated talk about doing something uh, about the amount of traffic that there is on... Well, there. they've poo-pooed the idea about the railway tunnel again, haven't they? I mean, th there is an existing railway tunnel that's basically a pilot hole through the Pennines. Yeah. And and they could develop that, but there's no interest in that whatsoever. Is they're, there? they're actually talking about... Uh, uh, having a tunnel from Hillsborough to Manchester, and that that is a very very major organisation, uh, yeah. very very big. Uh, you ought to send a Wednesday team down. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> send yeah. them to Manchester. Anyway, right, right, okay. So we're we're coming up now with uh, Roy Blackman reading on Woodhead Road, which is Roy's pan to climate change. The Pennines, an impassioned love of mine from very early years. Those who have walked the Woodhead area will recognise the mood, the weather and the place itself. On Woodhead Road. On Woodhead Road's rice pudding more high winds blow thin and out of doors extracts full price. It's icing o'er the distant dams as vans are slowed on Woodhead Road. No curlews call, red lorries snarl, then disappear in mystic pall. Silver pine trees, stout stone walls hide bleating lambs in fresh abode on Woodhead Road. Long snows ago, 
slow mule train stuck on wild boar clough and salters brook, washed down by floods through mud and muck. Caravans crawled as paths they rode on Woodhead Road. Whistling steam trains came. No ice blast, month-long blizzard block mountain pass could stop them long. Now gone, back past flat bleak low hill, black clouds reload on Woodhead Road. I'm frozen wet. I wonder why this dripping sandwich makes me cry. In two days' time, twill be July. Mass gritter sand, huge scania loads on Woodhead Road. Well, thank you for that, Roy. And uh, let, let's hope the diarist predictions are not true. I think actually in 100 years, we'll still have a planet. We, there might be none of us left, but there'll still be a planet. And uh, so... What I want you to do now is just sort of take a brief look back through your life. You're, you're 82. You've seen many, many changes. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, far more than I have. You were, you were born pre-war and, mm. and I'm, I'm a boomer. But uh, I'm not that far behind you, but I'm, I'm, I'm in almost the first wave of the boomers. So uh, are there many things that you've seen that you... I mean, I, I know that... Progress always brings change, but change doesn't always bring progress. And I'm, I, maybe yeah. I'm getting tired of saying that. But, but how many things have you seen that you, that you feel are a retrograde step in, uh, in, in social life? Many things are positive. Let me say that at yeah, the outset. Yeah. But the problem, the problem with the, uh, with the change, because our um, capitalist society is. It's science invention motive. Yeah. It's created by science, scientific invention. It started with the started with the Luddites, and and however misguided they were, the fact is that by and large, most people do better. The fact that we are demographically living longer is a sign that is a justification for a capitalist society. People might be surprised. But the changes that they bring mean that in every age, in every age, there are people who cannot cope with the changes. Like people who live in the pit areas and steelworks areas now, they find life very, very difficult because if they do get a job, they are low-paid jobs. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the people who, who done, uh, whose music I've used, Paul Middleton and his angst band, he's, one of his lines is, poverty, coming to a Tesco's near you soon. <laughs> you know, Because uh, he's talking about the, the pit villages and... Whatever. They've, they've never really transitioned, have they? I mean, we used to go out to Thurnscombe. We used to call it Beirut. Yeah. Because, because as soon as anybody moved out of the house, the kids torched it. And, you know, there were all these sort of burnt-out shells all over the estates. I mean, it, and drugs, it was absolutely yeah. appalling. That there was no structure put in place for change. And, and change was just allowed to happen willy-nilly. And, and you know, without yeah, any very, very, very yeah. much so. Yeah. It, it, it's... Um, a lot of people cannot, uh, and the changes, of course, 
as we have progressed from the 1770s, the changes have come faster and faster and faster. Yeah. So the consequence of that is that uh, it gets more testing for those who are affected adversely by it. Yeah, I think it gets more testing because nobody has the time to assimilate a change before the next one is forced. That's upon. exactly it's a bit like, the yeah, point. Yeah. It's a little bit like uh, updates for your computer and your iPhone. You know, you've just got you you just got used to the way they've changed the operating system, and they they send you another one. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and as you said, that's accelerating, and I, I see that, and I, I see anxiety rising in in young people. Um, you know, with Facebook, Twitter. And, but, I mean, look at the ways of communicating there are now. And they're all being pushed upon you. And it's, it's actually getting to be ludicrous. Something has to give at some point. And, unfortunately, it seems to be the human psyche that's giving and not, not technology. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I but there's one thing, right? If we do get artificial intelligence, it will never be able to replicate things like your poetry. Thank you. I, yeah. No, I, no it, it wouldn't. I mean, I have, the, I have a tremendous respect for your work. You know that. And and it's born of emotion and experience. Yeah. Whereas yeah. artificial intelligence can only use what it's given. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and and there's no way it could replicate you, thankfully. So uh, well, it might double your lifespan, but it, it wouldn't. It couldn't replicate you, Roy. Um, is that is a one thing that's that you feel at the moment that is disastrous that you would sooner have not happened or. No, there's one thing I fear more than anything else that's happened. Yeah. It's the replacement by artificial intelligence of people in jobs. Yeah. The working it's it's not whether the working class are strong enough in the unions, it's not where whether the working class has the working class will largely disappear within a relatively short space of time yeah. and uh, not enough attention is given to that. Yeah, the um, you were saying about when you went back and took a job sweeping the floor in the steelworks, that yeah. job doesn't exist anymore. No, that's right. And, uh, you know, I've employed people myself in the past uh, as, as labourers or, you know, people who tidy up and, and, and do. They, and, they and don't change There it. were always jobs for them, but now it's 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 just gone, gone, just gone, gone. And, uh, and gone forever. Which actually is a is really a cue for your old trains poem. Oh it? yes, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you what, right? Well, dig that one off the CD, and we'll play that right now. Gone in a moment. Slight correction on that one. This is bygone trains from Roy Blackman. Not old trains. Bygone trains. So there you have it. The slow train to Barnsley is ready to leave, would you believe? Jerks grudgingly forward, convulses and heaves, convulses and heaves, leaving Rotherham at quarter to ten, late once again, black smoke and coal fumes and steel all combine to ruin the washing of many a line, many a line. Many a line, stopping at Romarsh and Swinton and Moth, changing at Cuddeth and cursing in Roth, carrying miner and farmer and husband and spouse. This was the slow train to Barnsley Courthouse. Steelworks Yellow Loco, 
toiling up the drag out rocky mountains it's created with red rivers of its slight which come tippling down the hillside like a giant has been bled and the hooter shrieks a warning and the sky turns deepest red turns deepest red turns deepest red Transpennine electric in dark blue and gold Dashing and bold Train of the future once we were told Blue sparks sizzle the overhead wire Overhead wire, overhead wire Gone is the fire, gone is the smoke No need to stoke Silently gliding through guide bridge and dinting Cutting, butting, jutting, sprinting Over the heather, over the moor Woodhead's hooded tunnel floor Woodhead's hooded tunnel floor Woodhead's hooded tunnel floor Dashing through milltown and Lakeland and River gone, gone in an instant, and now gone forever. We have talked at length now about the changes that you've seen over the years because you've been around amongst us a long time, and I appreciate that and appreciate your honesty, of uh, your political honesty, your emotional honesty, and I absolutely love your work, Roy, and I can't fault it anywhere. And what I want to do is actually I want to play a poem of yours called No Ode to a Skylark. Because No Ode to a Skylark is, is to me, is a, it's almost a, a, a song of triumph of a way of life. Um, and, and a way of life that no longer really exists, except in the memories of people like yourself and mm. myself. And... To be honest, it won't be too much longer before these have gone. And your poem, No Ode to a Skylark, actually brings all that right to the surface. And uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So what I would like to do now is thank you very, very much for allowing me to come up and enjoy the privilege of talking to you for an hour and uh, and, and to put some of your work out on the podcast. So thank you. No, you're more than welcome, Roy. Absolutely more than welcome. This is this is something I've been going to do for the last six months, and but you know what life's like. You don't need me do. to tell you. You know what it's like. In fact, getting hold of you is not straightforward, is it? I was I was given about a two hour I was given a two hour slot one day, uh, and and that was it because otherwise you were busy. And I think that says a lot about you actually, the fact that you're still busy. So I'd like to thank you again, and. I will play you out with your poem, No Ode to a Skylark. And the thing is, of course, Skylarks too are gone. <laughs> this, <laughs> this, uh, this is a song called No Ode to a Skylark. And it's just X, it's a poem, sorry. No Ode to a Skylark. And it's extracts from living round here it's just an extract from the point I'm not doing the whole point it's too long but we'll do no ode to a skylark and with the sounds of the town all around there was no ode to a skylark trill quilled on his poet's gyre pen never knew one neither now nor then some said some sang in Shaftesbury's Never there. No dulcet ditty delighted demonstrate no harbinger ever heralded evening's end in happily road. No old 
but I will bring you symphonies of sounding sirens of many factories, stainless steel, snake-like, sliding, gliding, red-hot, throbbing, bobbing, ever longer, ever slimmer down the rolls conveyor, the incessant hum of the power station, droning, groaning, monotoning, the orgasmic roar at a score of a soccer crowd, Kissing pistons, incited, invited, induced, inducted by industrial engines. The whir of the sewage cart, noisily cleansing, nauseous drain. The whir of the sewage cart, noisily cleansing, <laughs> nauseous drains. But with the sounds of the town all around, no old to a skylark. Dong! We have moved to musical Mesra. The daily dirt in your eye and dong the gong of Robert Jenkins hammers busily banging Bowser boiler and dong the deafening dong of doom. Dong the dreary, eerie, ear-splitting announcement of the apocalypse. Dong, dong, dong all day long. Thump, 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 ba-choom! The steam hammers of Masbra Ford's reply. Thump, 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 ba-choom! Shocking, shocking every house in Midland Road to its foundations. Thump, 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 ba-choom! There's taste in your hair. Taste, dust on your hair. Taste in your tongue. Thump, ba-choom! Dong! Through the grime laid pavement's open door, clean washed children stared in awe as men hurl hot red steel in deepest gloom and hammers fall for tune, for tune, thump, 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 for tune. Skylarks, thou might find one coughing and wheezing soon here instead of singing. No, to a skylark. Now how can I best that sound of applause for the inimitable Roy Blackman? I don't think I can. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm going to try. Now, one of the things that I had a problem with with this podcast was that I didn't know actually whether to include this in the uh, Pearl Garden, because Roy is a, a writer, but Roy's also a singer, too, of incredibly funny comic songs. And I didn't know whether to include him in the Kellam Island Discs, so I made a decision to include him in both. Thank you, Bryony, for the suggestion. OK, so Roy's work is available on CD. He has a CD called A Northern Life. There's a CD called Rotherham's Man of Memories, both of these are available through Urban Tiger Radio, should you require one. I will get them personally from Roy and dispatch them to you. And the last poem came from a CD that I was presented with, which was Roy Blackman live at the Princess Royal Folk Club on Slynn Street in Sheffield, which uh, is a pretty fair recording, actually. Uh, it, but obviously, it sounds like he's in a, a larger room, so hope it didn't spoil your enjoyment of Roy. So... 
All that needs to be said now is goodbye and thanks for listening again to Urban Tiger Radio. Don't forget to give us a little like on that little heart button if you would please because it just gives us an incentive to keep going. It doesn't cost you anything and uh, doesn't bring me any money either. So uh, enjoy and I will catch you next time. This is Bill from Urban Tiger Radio. Just lay your fingers on the rails and you will find that without fail vibrations from the engine room They're gonna get you home safe soon Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me and a... From Nelly. Bye-bye. Shoveling the coal that keeps the fire burning in the soul. See a safe to harbor.